The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hi, I'm Carrie Charles, and thank you so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. I am absolutely thrilled to have with me today, Brett Lindsay. He is the president and CEO of Everstream. Brett, welcome to 5G Talent Talk. Thank you, I appreciate being here today. So that's great. I uh, just wanna say that we've been working with Everstream for quite some time, and I was so excited when you accepted my invitation to come on the show. And I'm one thing I'm really excited about, Brett, is speaking to you from a leadership perspective, because I've heard so many great things about not just Everstream, but also about you as a leader. So can you discuss a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are right now, maybe some challenges that you faced along the way, some of your greatest professional achievements? Sure. So, you know, I think for me, it's funny, I, I joke around that I grew up wanting to be in telecom. Uh, it's not quite true, but <laughs> I had a mentor when I was in college that happened to be the president of a company in telecom. And I thought, man, this guy's got a great life. And I thought, I wonder what I can do to replicate what he's done. And so I asked him and he said, well, here's what you do. You start off selling telephone equipment because you'll understand what the customer wants. And then once you've done that for a little while, and if you've been successful, then you move to an operating company so you can understand the nuts and bolts of how you actually deliver the underlying services to those companies. And, and of course, this is starting in sales. And then once you've done that, then you need to take a pay cut and move into operations and figure out how to manage that side of the business and understand how it all comes together. And then if you're fortunate enough, then you'll get an opportunity to leave a big company and go work for a smaller venture back or PE back company where you can then get into leadership roles. And then hopefully that will allow for you to move into a president CEO role like, like I had. And, and I thought, okay, well, that sounds good to me. And so my very first job out of college, I actually did not finish college. I got hired in April of my senior year of college. I actually ended up flagging two classes that last semester and didn't actually graduate. But I got the job in April. I was so excited. It was a junior AE for a company at the time called Wiltel selling key systems, which most people don't even know what that is anymore. But I was so excited to get this job. And then two weeks later, they called and told me that there was going to be a hiring freeze and I wasn't going to get to start till December. Well, I was kind of, I was kind of screwed at that point. I hadn't graduated from college. I had accepted the job uh, and I needed to figure out how to live until December. So I started doing landscaping for rich people in Oklahoma City and the Nichols Hills neighborhoods to make ends meet until my job started in December. So I started working in sales. I loved it. And I had been there about six months when the company decided to do away with my position and I was going to force me to, to double my quota. And so I went to my manager and said, I can do this. You just got to give me a chance. And so she gave me that opportunity. In fact, uh, someone that I'm still in contact with now. And that was kind of like, it was just kind of like the beginning of my trajectory, I guess, if you will, through telecom. And you know, was at Wiltel, stayed there till the Telecom Act happened in 1996, which that was my, my leverage into the operating business side of things. I was at Brooks Fiber. And then my mentor, who 
told me what to do, actually became a regional president in Ohio. And that's how I moved from Oklahoma City to Columbus, Ohio, to work for him back in the day for NextLink, which later became XO, which is obviously now part of Verizon. And so I've just kind of continued to have these steps with big companies. I was at Quest for a while in the Joe Nacho days, and everybody remembers what happened there. And our division was called QuestLink, and we were a pet project of his. And when he got let go, our division got shut down. And I think it was two days before my son was born. And so I was sitting there thinking, gosh, uh, yet again, I'm going to have some challenges here and immediately landed a position with uh, MC Partners, which was a private equity firm that had invested in a couple of companies. Uh, and in fact, I continued to work with them multiple times and, and they were my first big equity partner at Everstream. So we had three successful exits together. But anyway, for me, it was really just, you know, trying to get that big company experience, moving into a more entrepreneurial environment where I felt like I could have a bigger impact on the business and then really have just been able to take that opportunity kind of with both hands and continue to grow the business that way. So I think it's it's really just the testament of understanding that if you if you are well-rounded in the business, it helps you be successful, I think, later in life and, uh, and was fortunate to have some great mentors and coaches along the way. You know what? That's the power of mentorship. You got some great advice when you were younger. And i that's one thing I love to speak on is mentorship, being a mentor as well as a mentee. So, um, And you've touched every piece of telecom. I mean, it's, it's I can see why you're so successful and you're such a great leader. So uh, that's, that's awesome. Tell me about Everstream, your services, you know, who, who are your customers, and a little bit about your offices, locations, the markets that you serve. Sure. So we like to keep it simple. We are a fiber-based network service provider. We like to own, operate everything that we connect customers to. In 2020, 93% of every circuit that we sold to a customer was directly connected to our network. We believe that is how you win those customers, keep those customers, and continue to grow. So for us, it, it's all fiber all the time. The, the idea is how can we build more fiber than anyone else in the markets that we're in? Because we believe that delivering you know, Ethernet, Internet, some dark fiber is really the key for us. And, and our business has shifted a little bit. So I think, you know, we started out kind of heavy on wholesale, then moved into enterprise. And that was really when we were just in Ohio. And then when we, we brought in our initial funding in 2015 with MC, we acquired GLC Comlink up in Michigan, and we also acquired Link's Network Group. And so that took us from Ohio to Michigan. And so we picked up some other services along the way, but we've always kept our core at focusing on enterprise customers and the wholesale space and, and really not try to get away from our knitting. We, we didn't decide to go become a data center company or really get into voice or, or in, you know, unified messaging or anything else. It was really just, we want to build, own and operate as much fiber as possible. And so for us, that has helped us well. I think you know, we, we did a transaction in 2018 where we sold Everstream to AMP. And the basic premise there was, look, we've been successful doing it in a couple states. I like the Midwest. I like the work ethic of the people. I like the business community that's here. And so for me, it was really, how can I find a partner that will allow for us to continue to grow our business? And so we're now in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri. Uh, we'll be closing on the Unity transaction soon. So that will take us in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And then with some most recent win announcements, we'll also be opening up Kentucky. So the, the businesses continue to evolve, but really the messaging is, which is, again, you know, we want to make certain that we are connecting as many people as possible to our fiber networks and that we have robust networks that are there for our customers. I mean, the conversations of talking about 100 meg or 1 gig are kind of, you know, in days past. Customers are now asking for 10 gig like it was a 1 gig or 100 meg, frankly, a few years ago, 40 gig, 100 gig. And, and so it's really about having 
the capacity and the assets to be able to keep your customers happy. And you keep your employees happy too, because uh, my company Broadstaff, we place people with EverStream and we always hear that they are happy. So I want to talk about that just a bit. What is it like to work for EverStream? What, what's the culture like there? So there are very few things in our organization that are top down, but culture is one of them. I mean, to me, the culture has to start at the top and it has to be embodied by me and everyone on our executive team and flow through everybody in the organization so that it's clear and concise and consistent. And so when we kind of started down this path, the idea was, what are the key values mantras? What, what can we have people internalize so that it can help them understand what we need to do every day? And so the first one is do what you say you will do. And the palindrome, do what you say you will do, is everywhere in our office. It's on the walls, it's on t-shirts, it's everywhere. And for us, that's our golden rule. The idea is whether it's a coworker, customer, a partner, a vendor, whomever, that we will do what we say we will do. It's actually tattooed on my arm in Latin. So it's my own thing as well. So from the standpoint of understanding that every day, whether that's for work or my family, my kids, whatever that is, that I'm doing that as well. So that's the first one, do what you say we'll do. The second one is happy people, happy customers. There is not a chance in hell that your customers are going to have a positive experience if your employees do not enjoy their jobs. It's just not going to happen. And so we do a ton on developing our folks. We, for the last three years in a row, and we've grown exponentially in size, have promoted 20% of our staff every year. So we are very focused and conscientious about giving people development plans that allow for them to stay with us. And we want to review those on a regular basis. So, you know, I've been here for 10 years now, and we've got a lot of folks that have been with me during that duration. And what's great to me is having examples in the organization that other new people can come in and see and understand that 10 years ago, they were the person that's now the vice president of, of our customer engagement team. That person started as customer service, became a manager, then became a director, and is now running a very large team with that organization. We have a gentleman that started in the NOC and then went into core engineering and became a manager. And he's now a VP of our network engineering team. So we have okay. multiple stories of folks that have come in and stayed with us. And I think they stay with us because our feeling is different than what they're used to. And it's different because we spend a lot, a lot of time talking about and caring for our people. And then the last one on that space is, you know, once people hit that magic five-year mark, we want to make certain that, because I view those people at the highest risk. So if you've been here for five years and if you haven't been promoted a couple of times, your compensation hasn't changed dramatically over that period of time, you're right to get picked off. And so how do we do that? Well, we do that one, because every single employee in our company is an owner. Everyone in our organization has shares. So those folks that have been with us before when we sold back in 2018 participated and they'll participate again whenever our next event is. But the idea is that everyone needs to feel like they have ownership in what's going on. And also that those folks that have been here for five years, some people are really comfortable doing what they're doing. I, you know, I may be a splicer and you know what? I love splicing and that's what I want to do every day. As long as that person is happy doing that, that's great. But we want to make sure that people are there. And then the last one is our no asshole policy. And people joke and, and think that's funny when I say it, but it's probably the one that I actually take the most pride in because it's the one thing that if you say and you don't live up to that rule, somebody's going to call you on it. And so the idea is, look, we cannot have someone in our organization that is, you know, screaming at people, yelling at people, badgering them, whatever. That doesn't work. We know that. And, and it doesn't keep people happy. And if they're not happy, then the customers aren't happy. So we've actually had some instances where we had some fairly high up folks in the organization who were assholes and those folks didn't make it. You know, we had a we had a holiday party one time and the guy decided to show up and and have too much to drink and berate some people and pass out at the bar. And on Monday he was gone. 
And, and so being able to, and, and, I, and I literally wrote a note to the team on Monday after we let the person go and told that team, hey, I want to make sure you understand that the no asshole policy applies to all. And we want to make certain that people understand that they need to have a safe environment where they feel comfortable expressing their opinions and can challenge things. I mean, we do not service ourselves or our customers well by having a bunch of people that all think the same. We have a very diverse work culture here. You know, 45% of our team are female. We've got every ethnic variety you can imagine within our organization. And so for us, you know, we really believe that having that difference of opinion allows for our business to be better and, and makes people want to stay here. Did you say 45% of your team is I think that's the latest I think that's the latest stat. Yeah. And, and it's in all areas. We have permitting, construction, finance, right. HR, sales, you know, all, wow. all throughout the organization. No, that's incredible. And and Brett, you wrote an article recently on LinkedIn about diversity. And I just and first of all, I just love your realness. And you know, when you speak, I really, really get what you're saying. But let's talk about that article briefly about diversity and about your passion around it and also the new initiative you created because of that. Sure. So, you know, 2020 was hard for everybody, right? I mean, you know, it it was an odd feeling, frankly, that our business grew exponentially during 2020 while other people were suffering. And so businesses were suffering. But even more than that, you had kind of the social injustice undertone that, you know, that went out the, the entire year. And I was really struggling at trying to figure out how could I specifically make a difference as it relates to racism and diversity and being able to have those conversations within our team. I was invited on a, a fly fishing trip to Montana right around the same time that the racial unrest was kind of at its peak. And for me, I went there with the idea of unplugging and instead tried to focus on how can I help on this specific issue and ended up connecting with two African-American gentlemen that were on the trip with me. And I just thought, hey, these guys are here. One's from Atlanta, one's from California. I can figure out how to ask them questions and, and learn something. And the, the most key thing that was shared with me was that, you know, A, you need, to, you need to listen more, you need to talk to people, ask questions, but also just educate yourself about some of the issues. And so uh, what they recommended most was that I read the letters from a Birmingham jail that were written by Martin Luther King in 1963. And when you read them, it, you're so taken with the fact that this guy is such an amazing mind. Take apart all of the challenges that he was facing at the time. The fact that you could sit inside of a jail and write one of the most eloquent things I've ever read and be able to describe so succinctly the challenges that we're facing. And then when you read it, you could replace Birmingham today with Detroit, Chicago, L.A., whatever, any city, frankly, in the U.S. And you could read that today and think, oh, wow, this could have been written just now. But how sad is it that it was actually written in 1963 and how how little have we come in that period of time at really trying to address these just issues and make it better. And the last thing, and that really spoke to me, and I'm trying to get some of my peers to think about it more, is this idea that Martin Luther King says, it's not the raging racist or the KKK that he's concerned about. It's the white male, the moderate white male, and that that person wants the issue to go away. They, they want it to just kind of like, oh yeah, I, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but let's move past it uh, because they feel uncomfortable. They don't want to actually raise their hand and talk about something that makes other people feel uncomfortable because they somehow feel that's not their role. And what he's saying is that is absolutely wrong. That those are the people that we need to be helped with the most, that your silence effectively is hurting us more than anything else. And so my challenge in the piece on LinkedIn was really just to create awareness and make sure that my team knew that I was thinking about it. Uh, but secondly, just to try to get folks in our space, which are predominantly white 50-year-old males, to take a step forward in trying to do something beyond what's just good for our business or ourselves. 
you know, and there's something about you as a leader, and I've learned a lot from you just from our brief conversations, and also what I what I hear about you as a leader from the people that we've placed there at EverStream. But you, you're very involved and committed and passionate and all of that, but then you also empower people at the same time. And you're involved in the interview process and, and some follow-up post-interview with the growth and development of your team. Tell me a little bit about your involvement and also how you empower others and empower your leaders to lead effectively and powerfully. Sure, so I, I think you know the first thing I talked about for the business why people wanna be here is because of our culture. And so I think my, I, I kind of view myself as like the final gatekeeper when somebody joins the business. And, and I think people think it's more altruistic, like I just can't wait to talk to every single person that we're interviewing, but it's really to make certain that we don't bring the wrong person in our doors. So we have an interview process. That, I mean, every person, no matter what level, probably talks between three to five people. And I'm the final interview for every employee that we have. And it's a different type of conversation. I don't spend time going through people's resume. They have barfed that up to five people before they get to me. I don't need to ask them again on how they got into telecom and their last job and all that stuff. Instead, I use it as an opportunity to try to get to know them. And so my questions are, you know, Describe your life from birth until the end of high school. You know, did you, were you one of three? Did you play soccer? Did your parents get a divorce? Whatever it is that makes that person into who they are as an adult. The second one is what do you do for fun? When you're not working, how do you spend your time? I learn more about people's families and their hobbies and things that that I otherwise would not know probably for quite some time after somebody joined us. Um, and then the last one, obviously, is why are you leaving where you are? And that question is pretty telling. And, and it, it's kind of sad and, and awesome for us at the same time. Sad that most people are leaving where they are because they don't feel appreciated, because they don't feel like the direction is truly shared with them, and that they don't feel like they're having an impact at the place where they are today. And I think those are things that we can solve for people. Those are the things that if we're doing it correctly, those people will feel differently when they come to EverStream. So the second piece that I do is once somebody's on board, we have an onboarding call three to four weeks after the person joins with us. And my question is, how did we do? Did we do what we said we would do? Was your laptop sitting at your desk? Did you have access to all the stuff? Is there training that you need? What can I do to make certain that you are successful in this role with us? And the feedback that I constantly get from people is, one, I never thought I would talk to you during the interview process. And second, I never thought I'd probably talk to you again. And so being able to talk to them again after they've been on board for a bit is key. But then the other thing is we believe that we have to be out in the market. And so the way that we operate our business is by having whoever touches the customer needs to be local in that specific area, which is different from a lot of telecom companies where everything just keeps getting more and more centralized into kind of the headquarter grand Poobah location, which doesn't really work for us. And so the other thing that we've done, especially during COVID last year, which was a little dicey, but we were trying to travel to every market once a month. And through social distancing and everything else, they saw our faces because last year was a challenge for people, let's be clear. I mean, and it was really difficult to try to keep people's morale up. And we had a tremendous year and, and our own people felt guilty about it. Where, you know, we built over 10 million feet of fiber last year. We installed customers in every state that we now operate in. We opened new, new offices in every state. So a lot took place in the midst of very difficult times for others. And I think our ability to try the best we could to communicate with people, have them see us and make certain that they felt like they were connected to what we were trying to do with the business has helped us kind of continue that culture. Everstream is growing exponentially and it's it's so exciting to hear. Let's talk about hiring. What's on your radar for 2021? Are you hiring? What types of roles? What are you looking at there? 
So we are hiring. I mean, our expectation is we'll probably add somewhere between 75 to 80 people. Some of those are also going to come through the acquisitions that were, you know, either one that are scheduled to close or those that we're in the process of. But we will be staffing across the markets. We also have a team, what we call a national team. And what they're doing is really tasked with going into some of the expansion markets where we have uh, won uh, a contract. So we have an anchor customer in that area. So we're now, we have a team now focused on doing the initial design, engineering, and permitting to get that market kind of on its way. And then once it started to start uh, construct fiber and we're moving towards installing customers, then we would bring in that director of field services and OSP manager and ISP manager and all the bodies that are required. In any given market for us, you're typically going to see 25 to 35 people managing everything, if you will, from a, from a local level. And we want to be able to kind of seed those markets with a, a kind of more of a, a higher up view, if you will, and then be able to hand them off to someone once it's a little bit more mature. And so that's a process that we've been evolving. And we hired a gentleman, Drew Mullen, from Crown Castle not that long ago. It's over our corporate development group, and he's leading that team. And so we've continued to add local talent at every level, as well as in the organization that, you know, Cleveland is uh, too. But for us, you know, outside plant, inside plant, sales, you know, anything and everything that you can imagine that we need for our business, we are not planning on slowing down from the standpoint of what we construct or install. So for us, it's really just making certain that, you know, okay, we've got X in backlog and we're going to install Y each quarter. We know how many bodies need to be in our shop to be able to make that happen. And and I feel like we figured out our kind of machine. And so we know exactly each quarter what needs to come in to make sure that we deliver, you know, our promises to customers. What's your vision for five years, the next five years? Where's EverStream going to be five years from now? Wow. I'm not sure that I can answer that. If you'd asked me five years ago, I would have not given the answer of where we are now for <laughs> sure. So so I wouldn't want to be limiting and where I think we'll be. What I'll say is I think if we keep doing what we have been doing, our growth will continue to come. I mean, we have been opportunistic at looking at acquisitions that made sense where we could find fiber rich assets with products that align with ours, with smart people that we could bring into the business. We will keep doing that. Uh, we will continue to grow organically in every one of these markets. Um, we're not really interested in and being competitors to a lot of our peers, I'll say. It doesn't make sense for me to go build in First Lights territory or jump into Segros or move towards Great Plains because with the way that we view it, and I know this sounds like an odd thing to say, we want to be in third place. When I say that is AT&T, because of market share and the fact they've been here for 100 plus years, is going to be first in market share in a market. Second is going to be the MSO, whether that's Comcast or Charter, whomever that is. And then we want to be third. We want to be the one that is deploying the most fiber, that's adding the most customers, and is taking market share in this market. So if you consider that we've gone from you know, two states to where we are now and the availability of business in those areas, we, we have plenty to do for the next several years. And I think when we marry our carrier wholesale wireless business and everything that's happening in 5G, which is pushing us hard, and then our enterprise demand, which is continuing to hammer us for more bandwidth organically, more services, everything that they need, I, I think if we just stick to our knitting, we'll be fine five years from now. So many times when companies grow and they grow fast and and through acquisitions as well as organically, the culture changes, things change. And and we hear this quite a bit from from candidates. They say, gosh, things have changed since X happened or the company's different since X happened. It sounds to me like that is not going to be the story of Everstream. How do you maintain a cohesive culture through all the growth and acquisitions? Well, I would tell you it's a shit ton of work. Uh, I mean, the, the, the challenge is trying to get the people that you bring on board. You asked a question earlier about how do you empower your people? And I think this is how we, we keep our culture growing. 
So we view the directors in the market. So in every large market, we have a director of field services and a director of sales, and they manage 90% of the bodies that are in that market. And so if that market is not succeeding, it isn't because somebody in Cleveland didn't do what they needed to do. It's because we failed at the local level to make those people feel supported and involved and, and had the tools that they needed to be successful. So for us, we have spent a ton of time and we did this, I, I think, pretty thoughtfully. Back in 2019, we engaged in, with AMP. We looked at a number of acquisitions and thought, man, these things are just priced so high and don't feel like we're really getting what we want. So that we kicked off a $300 million capital campaign to build all these markets out. And so the idea was, okay, well, while we're doing that, what absolutely has to happen is that you have to feel like you're working for EverStream in no matter what city you're in. And how does that manifest itself? When you walk in, the offices look exactly the same. Same paint on the walls, same furniture, same sayings on the walls, everything, same snacks. I mean, you know, the things that make people feel like Cleveland is not the epicenter of the world. Cleveland just happens to be one office where a number of us sit. And it should feel the same in St. Louis or Indianapolis or Milwaukee or wherever. And so the office is important. And it's going to sound like a small thing, but it's something I think in years past people started to get rid of. We have an office manager in every single office. And that person is there to make certain that we have visibility to what's going on in that space. Not in a big brother watch you mode, but understanding what is the culture feeling? How are people feeling? Are they overwhelmed? What's morale like? And that way we can also use those office managers as advocates, if you will, for the business. So they run all of, you know, if we have a chili cook-off in Cleveland, we have a chili cook-off in every market at the same time. And those office managers are helping making that, make that happen. And so it, that's the difference, I think. The other piece is, People just want to build. I mean, so much of our team are on the construction side. And let's be clear, if you've been at some of the big companies out there, especially a Windstream, a CenturyLink, now Lumen, a whomever, the amount of like building fiber at the local level has gone down dramatically over the last several years. They've gotten bigger. They've got different products. They've got different mindset. When they know that we're coming in to impact the local market, to build as much fiber as possible, they get to do that. People get geeked up about the fact that they're building something from scratch in that city. And I think, you know, basically capitalizing on that, making certain that it feels consistent across all the markets, and then giving people a culture that feels different from where they are. I think that's the that's the best compliment that one of our team members can make to me is it feels different here. If it feels the same, then we've lost. It, it has to feel different here than anywhere else that they've been in the past, or we will not be able to replicate the success that we've had up to this point. Right. There's just some rich golden nuggets here in this conversation. And I thank you so much for being on the show. It's, I know I've learned a lot and I'm honored to support EverStream with Broadstaff and definitely honored to have this conversation with you today. So thank you for, oh, one more thing. Where can our audience learn about EverStream, the careers, everything that you have to offer, the jobs? Sure. So thank you for having me on. Everstream.net is our website. We have a very built out section for people that are seeking employment. It has all kinds of information, videos about the business. All of the postings are there as well. Um, so just about anything that you need to know to find a position at Everstream is available online. Okay, wonderful. Everstream.net. Correct. Brett, yes. thank you so much again for being on the show. It's just, it's been a pleasure, really. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk, brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. 
As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.